2: Hello, I'm Julia Rayside. Each episode, my guest chooses a favourite TV memory to talk about. Joining me today is John Dryden Taylor. He's a writer and actor who you may have seen on stage at his many performances at the National Theatre, or you will have seen and heard his Gags written for Mitchell & Webb TV and radio series. John, thank you so much for coming to my podcast studio.
1: At my great pleasure. Isn't it grand?
2: (laughs) It is, isn't it? Do you like all the gold leaf and the Baroque scrolling?
1: Yeah, I think the human statues are a touch, (laughs) a little bit too much. I'm I'm feeling a little bit disconcerted by the way they're glaring at
2: me. I know, I'm sorry, they are wobbling. I was told there would be no wobbling, but you can't get the staff. Anyway, we need to talk about your uh, TV clip today, which is from the Russell T Davies masterpiece, Queer as Folk. Now, completely nice choice, but why have you picked this particular clip?
1: Well, it's when you talk about particular moments that stay with you, and I, I, I know that I'm stretching the definition of the word delights.
2: <laughs> really, <laughs> no, it's okay. All, to quite all an of TV scenes
1: mm. that I'm thinking of in particular. Yeah, but uh, I mean, a little bit of background to why that was a really important program, uh, sort of generally speaking, and for me in particular, I was 25 when Careers Folk started. Yes, yeah, so we're talking like
2: yeah, 99.
1: So it's yeah. 20 years old now, and it's such a cliche to say this, but there had never been anything like it. No. Uh, on TV, it was a program about gay life, mainly white male gay life. It has to be said. Yep. We're, we're talking twenty years ago. There you can't were, have everything, John. <laughs> there was there was a lesbian storyline, but they were mainly a baby farm. <laughs> um, That's
2: true. I remember the kind of quite they were quite sort of um, impressive yeah, career Estaball
1: lesbians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. They, the career lesbians, uh, but there, there was a series uh, which was about the lives of gay people. In which they didn't sit around talking about, oh, God, isn't it hard to be gay all the time. <laughs> there was no, I mean, there was. There's, there's a kind of coming out storyline, but people didn't talk about coming out all the time. Yeah, um, There wasn't really an HIV or AIDS storyline. And, and at, at the time, you know, people my age, people born in the early mid-70s, if you were growing up gay, you you were sort of absorbing the message, if you have sex, you will die.
2: Oh, completely. Even as a not-gay-not-man, those <laughs> adverts with the tombstone scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah,
1: and if you just if you just add that little extra element of pressure to it. So to see Queer as Folk appear on screens uh, as a series about just a bunch of gay men about my age living their lives... Uh, having terrible sex, having great sex, having everything in between, uh, managing their day-to-day existence without... It's weird because I don't want to get too heteronormative and say, oh, they were just so normal. (laughs) Um, But um, at that time in 99, it was was so unusual to have people... To have gay characters on screen who were not a not being patronised, yeah. or b one angsting about being gay the whole time. No, exactly. It wasn't the Christmas. thing
2: that drove their character was the homosexuality. There were other things like they were vain or greedy
1: yeah, a, 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 or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. and and um, and, and you know, this this storyline is a case in point because it's something we've got a lot more used to, uh, yeah. I think. With things, you know, scenes in Spooks, scenes in bodyguard. The the sudden shocking yeah. moment when a character is just removed from the table. It is like a chess piece.
2: It is it is extremely upsetting when you've. I mean, this is three episodes into the series. Yeah. So you're definitely investing in these people and sort of loving them a bit by now.
1: Absolutely. So it was a
2: hell of a thing to do to the audience, wasn't it? Three yeah. episodes in.
1: Let's get some water.
0: Whoa. <laughs>
1: it's alright, mate. First time. It's always like this. What? It's alright, mate. It's alright. Hey,
0: come
1: here! Hey! What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing?! Shit! For those of you who haven't seen it, and spoiler alert, it is twenty years old. So I, I, I think I'm allowed this spoiler. Yeah, if
2: you haven't, I'm judging you like quite harshly <laughs> from where I'm sitting.
1: Uh, the character of Phil, played by played by Jason Merrill, who, when you look back, when you see the when you see the um, the series again, obviously he's going to die because he's <laughs> lovely. Yes, of course. He's much less complex than the other characters. He's played by. Probably the biggest name.
2: Yes, I'd say at the so. Time. He hadn't he done, done
1: Casualty, I think.
2: Yes, he was definitely a face, wasn't he? He'd been in, on TV a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, they had they had Denise Black as well. He'd done Cory, and later on Peter O'Brien. Yes, yeah. Shane from neighbours. Oh my God, I'd forgotten
2: up. he was in it until I watched this again. It was
1: incredible. But the, the, the three leads, Charlie Hunnam wasn't known at the time. Craig Kelly. Um, well, this is what Aiden
2: broke Gillen. Charlie Hunnam, yeah, wasn't absolutely. it? I mean, and, and now he's huge in
1: America, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, I, mean, uh, I was in LA recently, actually. Loved. He is
0: such a wanker. And.
1: Um, <laughs> There was a massive billboard of Charlie Hunnam wow. uh, over, over Hollywood Boulevard, and I was thinking, "That's interesting. That's Nathan from Queer as <laughs> big."
2: He was like a tiny child, and <laughs> yeah. now was a big, gruff, hairy
1: man. Yeah, uh, but um, so with 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 Phil, there's a there's a brilliant montage sequence at the end of the third episode, yeah. which is. Like, it's a lot of little stories about sex, and it's something that Russell T. Davis does brilliantly. I he think. does. I, I think he's the king of sex position. Um, <laughs>
2: oh, I love that.
1: Whereby you find out about characters' motivations through seeing how they have sex.
2: Also, can I just say, he introduced me to rimming. Literally had not heard of it before 99. That's how sheltered need, I was. You need to be very
1: careful <laughs> how you say that. But, yeah, I mean, that happens That happens in the first episode. Yeah. Um, and, and the character of Nathan is is underage, uh, doubly underage at the time, because I don't think the age of consent had yet changed I to I think you're right. In. I think he was still 18. Um, and, yeah, and, we, I mean, we don't see anything graphic, but it's its very... You
2: can pretty much do the math in people, your own for head. For people who know what they're looking
1: for, it's clear what's happening. And this was in the first episode, I think for, before the first ad break. It was a
2: sort of statement of intent, wasn't it? Like, we are just going to talk about everything and please don't. If you're if you're in any way queasy about this stuff, then stop watching. Absolutely, was. And, of
1: course, Beck's beer, um, the sponsors of Channel 4 Drama, were so queasy, queasy that they pulled their Did they sponsorship after the first episode.
2: Wow, um, that's incredible. And it's,
1: it's really... Fascinating to me. In this time, in, we're in Pride Month as we record, and every corporate organisation in the world yeah. is culturally appropriating rainbow flags for all yeah. their worth.
2: It's huge business, isn't um, it? Now,
1: the idea that as as recently as twenty years ago, just a gay sex scene or a scene about you know a, a, a storyline about gay characters would lead a massive organisation like Bex to pull its sponsorship. And
2: was there? I didn't. I didn't even remember it at the time. Was there a big kind of boycott of the brand? Or? They
1: re-sponsored. Pretty quick, did they? And um, so I think that's All the, the that direction swords. things were going. In. But 99, yeah. of course, was the year of the nail bombs. Yeah. Um, so it was. It God, was... I
2: can't believe that they did that. That's kind of jaw dropping. Yeah,
1: and yeah, it was a statement of intent, as you say. That 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 first scene. But I think it, the whole series asked people, why does this make you uncomfortable? Or yeah. why, why is this something that you're used to seeing? And and so when we get to Phil's death, uh, as I say, there's this sort of there's these interweaving storylines. Uh, uh, Anthony Cotton's character and another uh, another one of the characters whose name escapes me have decided to try a threesome and they've gone back to the guy's That's and they find right. him very scary. Yes. Vince, our sort of hero, certainly the avatar of the He's of the more the, the Everyman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he goes back for a date Uh, for a date, check me out. Uh, He goes back (laughs) to get laid uh, with this guy who turns out to have been travelling for work and having Brazilian parasites living in his skin. Oh,
2: God, i have forgotten him! Um,
1: Anthony Cotton's mate is so uh, determined to escape that he jumps out of a window and ends up (laughs) um, breaking his arm. Oh, my God. And, And then, of course, the payoff to that story is that Anthony Cotton... And the weird, scary man have the most (laughs) mind-blowing, brilliant sexual encounter. Um, So it's all very heavy comedy, comedy, comedy. Yeah. In the middle of that episode, in the middle of those those three storylines, is the character of Phil, who's, who's lovable and kind and... A bit more sensible than the other characters. Yeah. And
2: he's gone home with someone who doesn't look entirely like you could trust him.
1: No, absolutely. In fact, I met, it's Andrew Lancel, the, character, yes. the actor who went on to be in Coronation Street. I met him in the uh, late lamented Green Room bar around this time, about 2000. Ah. And I was really, really drunk. And I just kept going, you killed Phil! <laughs> I um, bet he loved that. Yeah, <laughs> actors love that. We love that when you do that to us, uh, everyone. Um,
2: but I yeah. still haven't got over watching you being murdered to death on stage of The National, John. I'm still and really Max upset about it. Martin stabbed me in the back. I I know, and thank God you're okay, but also in some way, strangely still dead. (laughs) I can't get over it. I never will. And I hate her.
1: (laughs) So, uh, Phil is also relatively unlucky in love. He's he's sort of perennially perennially single, and he meets this guy, he goes home with him, and the guy chops out a line of something. Yeah. And he says, oh, I got it from Jay. Jay's a good lad.
2: Never trust someone who starts telling you the provenance of the drugs they're about <laughs> yeah, to make you take. Never! <laughs> it's not the Antiques Roadshow.
1: <laughs> and it is an incredible performance by yeah. Jason Merrills in these two minutes. He 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 tells the story so clearly. He hoovers up this line of whatever it is. I think it turns out to be heroin.
2: It probably must be. I think are you, um, the panic that he conveys, it made me panic watching him. Yeah. I mean, it was he that starts, upsetting.
1: You, you see him starting, uh, trying to maintain... Yeah, and so no, I'm fine, and he gets up. He does a little stumble, which is yeah. brilliant. Yeah. You see, Andrew Lancel's character beginning to get more and more scared, and then and then Phil starts. Uh, he, he starts fitting. He collapses on the floor in the, the kitchen, and, yeah, and the yeah. detail that Lancel oh. checks he's dead, and then has a look oh. around, finds his wallet, takes twenty quid. And what leaves. an
2: a hole! <laughs> like oh, the luck of the poor guy taking that arsehole
1: home. And then you cut. and This is Russell T. Davis' storytelling. You cut to the debrief. That He's a bar. bastard,
2: isn't he? <laughs> really days later, the and,
1: you know, they're all chatting and laughing. They're laughing about Anthony Cotton getting laid. They're laughing about Vince's experience. And it's then a it's, riot, yeah. The phone rings. Yeah. And you cut, and Vince answers it. And again, just beautifully delicate storytelling. You see Phil's mother saying, I think she just says they said he'd been there for days.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is just a horrible detail anyway. And she's just trying to explain how she's picked up his landline. Again, we're in the late 90s, but his landline. And she's just going through the numbers thinking she would better try and start to tell people that he's dead.
1: And the following episode, obviously I'm talking about one particular moment, but the following episode just really shows how, the funeral. Yeah, yeah. how brilliant he is at examining serious themes and also just finding comedy in everything. So yeah. there's a storyline at, the fu- at Phil's funeral that Vince is very nervous about the reading he has to do. Yep. And you think it's just generalised, you know, standing up in front of the public speaking is something that people don't enjoy. And, and Craig Kelly plays it beautifully. He stands up and says that Phil wanted this to be read at his funeral. D-I-S-C-O. She is D-I-S. And he has to read the whole lyric of uh, D-I-S-C-O by Ottawa. But in that same episode, just a whole examination of drug culture in in gay and straight lives and the decisions that we make and have those decisions come back to haunt us or otherwise. um, Phil's mum says to Vincent Stewart, uh, just answer me this, if he'd been straight, would he have been taking a line of something with somebody he didn't know in his oh, flat. God. And it, it's a brilliant piece of writing because she's she's not homophobic but she is a bit yeah. and she wants to understand and accept she wants a reason. what she sees as his lifestyle but yeah. also she feels that it's killed him. And you know we were obviously of course gay writers dealt with the epidemic when it happened in the 80s and yeah. the 90s. Of course we're still talking about it and still writing about it. Um, but just in the in the the width of its scope you know, you had scenes at school with Nathan dealing with bullying, and with and, yeah, and, and, and you know, also uh, maybe uh, finding that the bullies were interested in in other ways. You had his friendship with his best mate, played by Carla Henry, which is just such a lovely, delicate—it's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, relationship. You've got this central uh, will they, won't they? Screw Ross and Rachel. It was all yeah. about oh, Will yeah. Vince and Stewart. Yeah, end of course, up together. naturally. Um, yeah, and even, even though nobody deserves to end up with Stewart, Stewarts. Awful. It's a horrible narcissist. But Vince wants him, and you want Vince to get what get, get yeah, he wants. And, yeah, because the Vince. way I'm talking about this, the way I'm talking about this, it, the way you talk about favourite soap characters or characters in a in a favourite drama, you just didn't have this storyline with gay people. No, before Queer you'd, you'd
2: like. be a token gay in another show. And the gayness of you would be your plotline or or certainly would influence your plotline. It was a a whole new thing. And I think it's interesting you say, you know, the the slightly confrontational nature of it, how Russell T. Davis sort of set out his store really early on, because I remember reviewing, um, you know, Cucumber when he did those three shows, uh, Cucumber, Banana, and what was the other one called? (laughs) Tofu, that's it, the online thing. Um, And it was, you know, a a long sort of drawn-out story over time about this one guy. And I remember reviewing the final episode and just at, at that week reading, I don't know. Jeremy Clarkson had said, "As if this is an okay thing to write in a newspaper, or, or without qualifying it." Um, I can't. I can't help it. Whenever I'm in the room with a gay man, I just can't help wondering about his bottom. <laughs> I'm just like. Okay, well maybe I maybe I don't know maybe go up to somebody and ask them about it. It was such an odd way maybe, of maybe get some saying, help. If I'm still <laughs> not comfortable being in a room with someone who's well, I don't that, know I mean, attractions are different to mine. D- d- Richard
1: Hammond had his ice cream is gay. Oh my god! I mean, if ice cream is gay, sign me up. I, I am. <laughs> I am signed up for both. Yeah, you are, are and, <laughs> yeah. and also other things. Um, but um, the,
2: now the, I can't the, help <laughs> thinking about your bottom. John. <laughs> oh, well,
1: it's full of ice cream. Oh, weird. Um, the other thing which I have mention because while I was marvelling and being horrified by Jason Merrill's performance, yeah. um, every era will always have something that trips it up. And I rem- I remember in the late 80s you know, laughing at 70s clothes. Yeah. You know, so me as a teenager going, God, look at these ridiculous things they used to wear. I'm glad I just dressed normally. <laughs> and at the time, I was in Snow Effect denim jacket wow. and shelled black b- rockabilly hair yes. and a... A a sleeveless black T-shirt. I've seen the pictures, yeah. yeah. Um, And equally, in the nineties, I thought, you know, we just dress normally. Um, We, we all, and I was one of them. We all decided to have massive sideburns for no reason.
2: (laughs) I remember that, like weird curtain fringes and sideburns. It was always in my school. It's even a bit
1: after curtain fringes. It's it's more sort of Britpop and and, late Britpop. Oh, that's right.
2: You've gone a bit Gallagher. Uh,
1: um, And uh, you know, in my head, when I when I think about that scene. I see, you know... Which I don't... I mean, I'm not not weird. I
2: think about him dying a lot.
1: (laughs) It's that wonderful uh, Victoria Wood line, isn't it, from uh, Bronte Burgers. Do you know that one? No, which one? Bronte Burgers is uh, a monologue she did in her first stand-up LP, Lucky Bag. And it's a a tour guide showing people around Haworth Parsonage. (laughs) uh, And uh, this is Charlotte's room. Charlotte actually died in this room. Um, Those are her slippers. And uh, I like to think of her sitting in this room With the slippers on. (gasps) Dying.
2: <laughs> oh God! Oh God, that's so. I brilliant. don't. I,
1: and if Jason Morales or anyone who is close to him happens to be listening, I, I, I don't think about his death in Chris Folk all the time. But when I do think just about it, just now and
2: again, he hasn't <laughs> got giant sideburns. No, I know they are quite bushy. They prevent a, a shock. They're fully like he's like a Toby jug or something. <laughs> the, the, the
1: Everyman had had great big sideburns, and they weren't they weren't stuck on. They just, were, just normal
2: were, then, they, John.
1: They were normal sideburns that stayed on as he fitted to death.
2: Well, there we are. I, I, may he rest in peace with his normal sideburns. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that memory. Now, before you go, uh, I would like to invite you to reach into the box of delights and pick out one of my quickfire questions. Oh, marvellous. What a delightful box. Do rummage around, please. Don't take the top ones.
1: They are beautifully branded, the listener. <laughs> um, I just want to look at the back. You yeah, have to read the question, question
2: at some point, John.
1: Did you or anyone you knew as a kid ever go on TV? Oh. That's an unfortunate one for me because I grew up in TV.
2: You, you're a media um, wanker. Um, yeah, a, I forgot. I'm a media
1: And have wanker. been since birth. Um I wonder if that's it. But on TV, not behind it. the scenes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, my dad got a load of our local youth theatre into his production of Sophocles' Oedipus the King Explain when I was
2: Explain who your father is for people who so don't know. So my
1: father was a uh, playwright and director who worked as a staff member, a contracted director at the BBC in the early 60s until he was blacklisted by... Uh, Sidney Newman, who is a hero to lots of archive TV fans yeah, for yeah, creating yeah. Doctor Who, and is a massive villain in our family. Boo! Um, we're booing and hissing here. And, uh, so Dad went, then went freelance and got increasingly uh, mad projects on air, one of which was in the mid-80s, um, his own translation of three, the three Oedipus plays of Sophocles, yeah. which were done with a ridiculous cast of Juliet Stevenson, Claire Bloom, John Gielgud, Michael Pennington, wow. Anthony Quayle, Gwen Taylor, John Shrapnel. Extraordinary, Amazing. extraordinary cast yeah. They were on BBC2 primetime, you know, in the week. Imagine um, that now. And at the beginning of the first play, Oedipus the King, he, he had a sequence where we were uh, the people of Thebes suffering under plague. And he got were you 12, painted
2: gold or is that no, memory? that, that mis- was two, That it. was Two
1: Gents of Verona. That was my TV debut. <laughs> that
2: was when you were surely eaten up. That's what <laughs> I was.
1: I, I, uh, Dad's concept for Two Gentlemen of Verona, which he directed as part of the BBC TV Shakespeare series, mm-hmm. was a kind of Renaissance garden of love with cupids running that's around, all that kind it. of thing. So uh, I was painted gold and had a, a gold. Shelley Temple wig and Five an arrow at a plaque that said Amor and all kinds of incredibly kitsch things that resulted in me being a homo 20 years ago. I later. am but so
2: glad you got this question. <laughs> we have come full circle. But
1: um, the exciting thing about doing Oedipus, it's about 12 kids from the youth theatre that my parents ran at school. I think I've told this story on you're always there podcast before, Ooh. so it's a nice bit of cross-pollination. There you go. Um, we were recording at Elstree, so we were next door to East Enders, And oh. you could just wander onto the lot. We wandered onto Albert Square, which... I bet you can't do now. Oh, no, I'm sure you can There's can't. loads of pictures of us, like, with our... Like, there's one of me pointing up to the sign saying, Den Watts is licensed to sell alcohol at these premises. <laughs> and, um, and we found out from the backstage monitors, we found out that Den was the father of Michelle's baby. Another no there. And um, That one's 34 years old. And yeah,
2: get over yourselves. That's <laughs> incredible. What a thing to let we people didn't tell anyone. just hear. We didn't
1: tell anyone. We didn't <gasps> sell it to the sun. You could have made a fraud We just walked around you. school, age 12, going, I know who the father of Michelle's baby is. And, and you didn't even tell
2: your school friends? No. It was like a stays-in-the-vault sort of secret. Yeah,
1: much better just to know and not That is anyone.
2: pretty darn cool.
1: <laughs> and I did have a picture I'd done on Blue Peter.
2: You never did. I don't think you've ever told me that, and I've known you for years. I have. What was um, the picture of? The was off? it when I was drunk?
1: The year after my dad died, <laughs> if you remember, on the aniver- the first anniversary of my dad's death, my wallet was stolen with a Blue Peter <gasps> badge attached to it.
2: Oh, God. Because I had a Blue Peter
1: competition winner badge, which I just stuck on the outside of my wallet. Yeah, and uh, with magnificent timing, some thieves round round this area of London no. made it off with my wallet, uh, including the Blue Peter badge. And I'd got the Blue Peter badge <sighs> for, I, I can't draw at all, <laughs> I cannot draw or paint at all. Um, but when I was about seven or eight, there was a competition for designing a poster, for the Natural History Museum. Brilliant. And I did a big purple butterfly and it said, better fly to the Natural History Museum. Hey, which is a pun. You're an advertising
2: genius. <laughs> you should have done that. I'm
1: basically Salmon Rusty.
2: <laughs> nice one, John. Thanks so much for coming. Bye. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can find links to the YouTube clips from today's episode on our Twitter feed at Box Delights Pod. Come and say hello. Bye.